listening to the coffee hour i'm sarah golseth i'm andy bates we have more fun events about music happening in the st louis area and this one is about bach and it's a birthday bash so this is a very exciting event happening at concordia seminary very soon joining us today dr paul robinson professor of historical theology and director of library services at concordia seminary st louis thanks for joining us today dr robinson thanks for having me and also Bruce Dorazzi, Librarian for Special Collections at Concordia Seminary. Thanks for joining us today, Bruce. Oh, thanks for inviting me. So there's a very exciting Bach birthday celebration happening very soon at Concordia Seminary. And Dr. Robinson, this has been kind of an, an ongoing thing for Concordia Seminary to celebrate Bach's birthday in a, in a very special way. Why is this important? Of, or, or I'm sorry, well, let's start. How has Concordia Seminary celebrated Bach's birthday in the past. So Bach has been important on this campus for a very long time. And a lot of that is, of course, related to the Bach Bible being here. Actual birthday celebration, as far as I know, we did last year for the first time. Uh And when we did that as an event here in the library, I was hoping that it would come to be an annual thing but I had no idea how it was going to go over. And, and it was successful enough that we decided to do it again this year. So tell us about this year's celebration. What's on, what's on the agenda for the celebration? The agenda this year is a lecture by Leonard Slatkin, who many of your listeners will probably remember from his tenure with the St. Louis Symphony. And he will be talking about Bach and the art of transcription which it's wonderful that we could get him here to do this, that he is willing to do it. He's a very gracious individual, and we're looking forward to hosting him. And it's also interesting to get a viewpoint on Bach from someone who isn't an organist or choir director. So Mm. we'll talk about specifically orchestral playing of Bach's music. That is a, a different perspective. A lot of times, especially in our Lutheran world, we we kind of focus in on Bach's cantatas and or or organ music, choir music. So yeah, I, I am very much looking forward to <clears throat> to this event with Leonard Slack and to hear his perspective. Right. Why is this kind of event important? I know you mentioned the Bach Bible, which we will get to. And mm-hmm. why is this important just for the general life of the seminary campus to have this kind of discussion about Bach? I I think it's a really good way for the seminary to interact with the community since there's tremendous interest always has been in St. Louis in the music of Bach. There's, there's a very strong group of Bach aficionados in this city. And, um, when we had the event last year, we, we had a great mix in the audience of students from campus and faculty and people from the community all getting together to maybe learn something about Bach and enjoy some birthday cake in his honor. (laughs) I want to talk about some of the things featured at this event as well. Bruce, let's talk about special collections at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. What are some of the unique things that you get to work with and particularly related to the Bach birthday celebration? Well, our most famous item and the thing that people are most interested in related to this event is the, the Bible that belonged to Johann Sebastian Bach. And we, we own it here at the seminary. So it's a, a large three-volume Bible with commentary that was published first in, actually published once in 1681. 
and it's got some annotations by Bach in the margins and hid a beautiful monic signature on each of the three title pages. Bach acquired the book in 1733 and signed it then, dated it when he signed it. And so it was already 50 years old when he bought it, but it appears to have been the Bible that he used for reading and study for the rest of his life. And sorry. No, I was just going to say, I didn't realize I, I've heard of the Bach Bible, but I just thought it, I don't know, being a modern day person, I just assumed one it was volume. a one volume book, but you, it's, it's three volumes. Yes. It's edited by a scholar named Abraham Kalov and Kalov tried to collect all of the commentary that would be relevant to or for a Lutheran to understand the Bible properly and then within between within the verses. So every instead of instead of footnotes, he actually did it within the, the line. So it, it there's an, an awful lot of added text as commentary. So so I'll, I'll, a great deal more commentary than biblical text, finally. And it ends up being three big volumes. I mean, they're large books. And uh, Bach owned... Actually, one scholar has, has written that Bach owned a, a library of theology books that many a small town pastor would have been proud to own. He had, at the time of his death, he had somewhere around 60 titles that were just religious books and not about music. And this would have been one of the important ones because it had both the scholarly commentary and the Bible text in it. That is so interesting. Like kind of a very, very early Lutheran study Bible going on here. That I, I did not realize that that was part of it. Oh, what kind of does Bach have have writing in this book and and musings about what he was studying theologically for what he was writing for his music? Not exactly. <laughs> I mean, he, okay, he has writings in it, and there are when when I discovered that when I was offered this job and discovered that one of the things I would get to do would be to curate Bach's Bible, which was just, you know, was astounding. But they, he wrote, I was hoping to see evidence of the way he was thinking about music when he was setting texts to music. And I guess he left all of that to his librettists. There's, there, there's very little hint that he was actually thinking about composing when he was reading his Bible. At least he didn't, he didn't make marginal notes about it. The, the most interesting ones are actually notes that he makes where, where there are stories that include performance of music. So there's one passage in particular where they're describing the dedication of the, the temple and in the second book of Chronicles. And it, it lists all of the rites and rituals they go through, starting with the burnt offering, I think, and then several different things and then they sing and they play instruments and then the the spirit of god fills it fills up the 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 temple as a cloud and bach seems to take this to mean that because music was the last thing on the list bach seems to take it to mean that music was the thing that finally brought god's the manifestation of god's presence into into being and he writes in the margin i'm this is a, a rough a rough translation he writes Note, where there is devotional music, God is present in his grace. And the way he, he, the way he marks these appearances of, of liturgical music, he seems to be looking for places where the Bible makes the case that liturgical music is important. So my guess is that he was taking this as evidence to go back to his superiors and ask for resources, you know, when he needed to hire a soloist or whatever special thing he wanted to do. Because we have letters where Bach is is fighting with them to get more, more resources for his music program. So that's my guess about what he was thinking. That's fascinating. I love that. 
I mean, you kind of have a really cool job. Yeah, I'm a little jealous right now. (laughs) I I consider myself the luckiest boy in town. (laughs) That I get to come and do this every day. It's fantastic. In your work curating the Bach Bible, what else have you learned that that is unique or that that seems very interesting that you might share with us maybe at the birthday party? Do you mean stories or do you mean stuff? Well, stories, what have you learned in curating the Bach Bible? Well, in reading reading about it and studying to get some context for it, one of the things that I found really interesting is that at the time of his death, when they made an inventory of his library, they only inventoried the religious books. And I'm not sure why. Some people have speculated that that they didn't think the music music had any value for sale. I suspect it's because the sons all gathered it up and didn't didn't make it part of the estate because they all picked what they wanted and took it. And we have a few, th- I mean, in, in addition to the monographs, we have a few musical books that still survive in European libraries with box signature in them. Of the books that were inventoried at the time of his death, the, the theological books, this Bible is the only one that's been identified and authenticated as having belonged to Bach. Um, the And I don't know whether he didn't sign the others or for whatever reason, they're lost to history now unless someone turns them up in an attic, which you know could happen. But this, the, the fact that this book was, was special in that regard, that it's the only book from that inventory of the only religious book of Box that is, can be identified and authenticated as, as being his actual copy. That is so, that is so interesting. Just the, the stories of, of what books we have from him and, and what might have happened to the rest of, of his belongings. And of course, we, we have all of this music from him as well. Now at the Bach birthday celebration, what will we be able to see in the library? Is, is it just the Bach Bible or are there other things during the reception in the library? There will be a display window. Well, the Bach Bible will be out in its own case. And the, there will be some books in the window. I haven't put it together yet. I think one of our displays is going to be some of the other books that Bach owned, because many of them were, you know, they were all important Lutheran theological books. And some of them are now quite rare, but we own many of them, you know, original copies of many of them, not quite all of them. So I think I'll probably fill the window with other items that Bach owned, even though they're not his copies. So you can get a sense of what his religious library looked like. That's going to be a very exciting reception after the presentation by Leonard Slacken. Now, Dr. Robinson, I don't think we've mentioned the date or the time or any of those details. So <laughs> we, we uh, when and where, yes, when and where is this um, event happening so people can, can attend? It's Thursday, February 23rd. The lecture is at five o'clock in the afternoon in the auditorium. And following the lecture, people can wander over to the library for a little reception and viewing of the Bach Bible. Are there any other details, any registration? No registration. It's all free and open to the public. If you want more information, you can go to the seminary website, csl.edu, and click on the calendar tab at the top of the page and then look on February 23rd and there's a write-up of what's going on there. Perfect. And we'll share that link in the show notes as well so people can find it there. This sounds like a a very exciting event. Dr. Paul Robinson, Professor of Historical Theology and Director of Library Services, and Bruce Durazzi, Librarian for the Special Special Collections at Concordia Seminary. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today. You're very welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates.
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.